are going through the book of Colossians this summer. Uh, it's a great little book written by Paul in the New Testament. If you are looking for it, you can look for Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians, or what we like to call the General, General Electric Power Company. Um, I somebody else instead of roast beef potato chips. I'll go with General Electric Power Company, and that's taking me out of trouble. So, uh, anyway, in Colossians, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 14 this morning. Colossians 1, verses 3 through 14. As you start to flip your Bible there, uh, I'm going to ask you to multitask a little bit. I've got a quick question for you. How many of you recently have received a phone call from an anonymous company trying to get something from you? Okay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the car warranty dealers that are always calling? Right? Your warranty is up. I'm like, I don't even have a warranty on my car. What are you talking about? Right? Like, this is craziness. Or uh, I, I've gotten lots of calls about Social Security. And I'm 26. I don't need my Social Security just yet. But thank you for calling and telling me that it's up and something needs to be done. Or that you've gotten a call from the credit card company. Somebody has stolen your identity, right? I mean, boy, there must be 50 million Jordan Browns in the world now. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Or maybe you've gotten a call from an electric company saying, hey, we want to provide you with a new opportunity for your, your resources, for your electric. Or, hey, we heard that you'd be interested in solar panels. I live in the middle of the woods, for crying out loud. Solar panels aren't doing me any good, right? Anybody else received these phone calls before? Okay, good. Well, it's interesting, right? Because when we get these phone calls, often we're fed false messages, right? Like, hey, this is, uh, well, my favorite ones are, hey, we're, this is the insurance company we're calling. We want to settle a health claim that you made this year. So I'm like, I just went to the doctor for the first time in two years. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, a health claim. Uh, there are all sorts of different messages that come into our world that are from somewhere. Sometimes we get that information. Sometimes we're actually like, oh, okay, maybe my car does need that warranty. Maybe it needs a little repair. Or sometimes it's it's real scary when you get a call and somebody says, hey, I'm bringing the IRS, right? Well, thankfully the IRS will just mail you something that won't actually call you. So if you've gotten that phone call like me, don't fall for the trick. Uh, but nonetheless, we receive messages from all over the place that come into our lives and try to lead us in a direction. Well, for the Colossians, they were receiving a message that existed within their church about what it meant for them to actually be a Christian. And so as we go through the book of Colossians, we are going to focus on who we are in Christ. What it looks like for us to be new believers, new people, new creations. And as we look at this book, we, we need to know that first, uh, that it was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of believers in Colossae, which is in the Latin Valley, which is modern-day Turkey, Greece, that area. Uh, and as he wrote this letter, there was some false teaching that erupted from a pagan society. The Colossians were known to be a, a majority Gentile church, made up mostly of Gentiles. Uh, it was not made up of many Jewish people, but these Gentiles believed in mythology, they believed in paganism, they believed in the worship of many gods, and they had come from this false belief to a new belief in the true and living God. 
What an amazing work, right? Let's just stop for a second and actually think about that. That God would take a group of people who were worshiping false idols and bring them from false worship into true worship. From a doom into salvation. What an amazing work. Friends, each one of us, if we have believed in Christ this morning, if we have turned from our sin, we have placed our faith in Him, this morning we need to celebrate as God's people that we have brought, that brought from doom into salvation. What an incredible piece of news for us. And so Paul, he begins to write this letter. And follow along as I read, you can read it in your head. It says this, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers of Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for the saints, because of the hope laid out for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love and spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God for us tonight. Amen. Amen. As we look at Colossians 1, verses 3 through 14 this morning, the big idea of our message is that the gospel brings us life. This might sound like something that's simple, a truth that you might understand, a truth that you might hold to this morning. But it's something that we need to constantly be reminded of. That in the gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, through that great and mighty work, through the repentance of our sins and faith in Jesus, that we indeed find true life. So the Colossians were believing a message that was brought to them that they needed a fuller experience. That Jesus was the beginning, but that they needed more. That this more was important for them, and this more was really defined by this group of people who were known to be like an elite group. We want you to join this club. We want you to pay into this membership. We want you to follow us with what we say is important so that you can have the full experience. This is like when you go to the movie theater. Right? You go in, you pay your $8, you get your movie ticket, you walk in, they're like, hey, by the way, if you want to upgrade to the giant soda, Right? Have you seen the size of these things? They're monstrous, right? 
You know, just don't have it. You get this, you get a free refill. It's like, oh yeah. Then you find out it's $10. But you paid more for your soda than you did for, for your movie experience. But it's to help you enjoy the better experience of the movie. Oh, I really like going to the Mansfield movie class because they have refiners. Yeah, if you haven't been there, you are missing out, let me tell you. They have speakers that are just full of these giant red recliners. You put your feet up and you realize that is the full experience, right? You shouldn't go to any other movie theater, just the Mansfield movie place because you will get the real movie experience. See, we hear messages like this all the time, but now let's put it into the context of the church. You come to know Jesus. That's great. Now you need to do these things and live this way so that you get the full experience. What is Paul saying? Paul says we are alive in Christ. That by Christ and Christ alone, we have received new life. That the doom we face has been released and that we have been transferred into a new kingdom that exists because of the Son. Not because of us, but because of the Son. What he has done, what he has accomplished, for who he is. Our Christianity, our salvation rests not on our work, but on the work of Jesus, friends. This is the good news that we must trust in. It's the good news we must remember. Because the moment we forget it, we start to go this way. It's by faith in Christ alone that we have been brought salvation. This church is a face, this false teaching, that came from their own people. Let me remind you of that. This teaching that came from their own people. The false teaching of a fuller experience. Paul tells them that what they need to remember are two things. In Christ. They are in Christ. Now here is prayer and his thanksgiving. And in verse 3, Verses 3 through 8, he reminds them and he assures them of their belief in the gospel. First, in, in verses 3 through 5, we thank God, the Father of the Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all of the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, we first come to salvation by faith. Faith in Christ. This is going to sound like a repeat sermon that you've heard before, but it is a sermon that we need to preach to ourselves every day. That our salvation comes by faith in Christ. He says that they know that they can say that they are genuine believers because first of their faith. How many of you have heard of the great three from 1 Corinthians 13. What are the great three from 1 Corinthians 13? And who has ever heard of the love passages in 1 Corinthians 13? Anybody? Any takers? Okay. All right. What are the three things? The greatest of these are? Anybody? The first one. Faith. Okay. The second? Hope. Last one. Faith, hope, and love. These are the marks that we can know that we have come into a relationship with Jesus. First, our relationship begins by faith. 
Right? Faith is this, this action that we take where we trust in God without actually being able to comprehend the fullness of God. We believe. We believe. Our relationship with God starts in belief. It starts because what he, what he has done, it, it starts on our part in belief. Do you believe in this good news? Do you believe that Jesus is enough for you? If you don't believe that Jesus has been enough, then yes, you need a fuller experience. But if you believe that Jesus has done what no other person can do, you have the fullness of an experience that is beyond measure. In Christ, dead in our trespasses and sins, and made alive in Christ. Has anybody else come from death to life? Look at what Jesus has done, friends. It begins by faith. The second, hear this. And of the love that you have for the saints. And of the love that you have for the saints. You want to see a true Christian? Show me someone who loves his brothers and sisters in the Lord. I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life, especially early on in my walk with Jesus, where I've said, is this real? Am I going crazy? Am I struggling? What am I going through? How do I know that I know? passage like this because of the faith you have in Jesus. Because of the love that you have for saints. Listen, I, I can be a curmudgeon. Ask David. <laughs> David hears most of my curmudgeon. Because <laughs> Rachel tells me I don't want to hear it. Go talk to David. <laughs> Nonetheless, each one of us can be cranky. Right? Or angry. More often than not angry. <laughs> uh, but we all can face opportunities where we Really, can find it easy to complain. Like last week, the on vacation. Man, I wish I was smart enough to wear sunscreen on the day I took a hike. My neck was toasty. Larry the Lobster was indeed out. But let me tell you, the back of my neck was worse than Larry the Lobster. And I complained the whole back of my, my neck itches. I'm cranky, nothing's happening the way that I want to see it happen. But then I got to the top of the peak, and I looked out and I said, oh my goodness, look at what God has made. Look at what he has done. Look at what he's even he accomplished. This is his handiwork. God, you were so big, you so powerful. But a genuine mark of our love isn't just a love where we love ourselves or we love God. It's a mark where we love others. Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love God and love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is only by the word of God that we can come into a room where there's a diversity of people that we can really have an affection and love for one another. As Rachel and I were driving home yesterday, we were reminded of this. It's like, you know, vacation was really good. Maybe you could use another week, <laughs> but it was very good. And as we started driving home, we were just reminded of our, our love for our church. 
eating or driving and saying, I can't wait to see these people. I started to get excited because I thought about Emily and Jay's wedding next weekend. And I was like, oh boy, all the details are coming through and maybe pray for them and Don and Carl and Tracy and Jim and think, okay, hey, there's a lot going on, but we're excited to come back. I'm thankful that Kevin was able to come up and preach last week and carry to sing with him. I'm just so thankful for the saints in Christ. You know that there's something different about your life when you look forward to seeing people again. Trust me, I was alone in Vermont, right? Ask Rob, he's been up in Vermont. You want to be away from people. <laughs> when you get out and you think, man, I have a love for the saints. I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Paul hears about this love that the Colossians have for one another. This isn't just a, a check off the box. This is a love that's known. A love that is expressed in such a way that it reaches beyond the walls of Colossae into where Paul is writing from. Think about how our church can be known in Hebrew for the love that the people have for one another. I mean, I walked in that church door and they loved each other so much. They couldn't even get back together after greeting time because all they wanted to do was talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <especially when> <laughs> <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing to be together with the saints. This is a mark of our assurance. Friend, if you love the brothers and sisters of the Lord, you can see a word of God in your life. And then it says, because of this, the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of the hope laid up for you in heaven. This is not just an experience. This is an expectancy. We can experience the love of the saints. We can experience faith in Christ. But we can expect that Jesus is coming again. We can expect that as we go to heaven to be with him, then we will experience something that is greater than even the love we express for one another here. Greater than even the trials and temptations that we face from those who persecute us. Greater because we will be with Him. We have faith and love and hope. And it tells us in verse 5, the second half of verse of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. How do we know about this faith? How do we know about this hope? How do we know about the love? We hear about it in the word of truth, the gospel. And hear what Paul says about the gospel. That it has come to you, and indeed, in the whole world it is bearing fruit. It's increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. It is the gospel that reminds us of our assurance in Christ. The gospel is described as hope. It's described as the word of truth. It is described as bearing fruit and increasing. And then Paul makes a note to these Colossians. He says, many of you probably have the nice little mark. 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood it. The grace of God. The gospel is grace, friends. If you want to know what the gospel is like, the gospel is grace. Remember this little acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That we have been given the riches of God. The very God who created the world and spoke it into existence. The very God who parted the Red Sea. The very God that sent his son in flesh to be born of a virgin. The very God who speaks in creation falls still. The very God that Elijah prayed to to see rain and fire come down. The very God who took the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years, who brought them to the promised land. The very God who establishes kingdoms and places kings and queens. The very God who speaks to us through his word. This God speaks to us and he gives us riches but it comes at the expense of Jesus. The cross is a beautiful thing because at the cross we see the glory and riches of God on display in the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. By Jesus' death you have life. By Jesus' death, you have been given the experience and riches of God. By Jesus' death, you are alive. These false teachers are saying, you need fullness. The gospel teachers are saying, your fullness is in Christ and Christ alone. Your fullness is at Calvary. It's coming again. We have assurance in the gospel, but we also have clarity in the gospel. Because it is a life-changing message. It says that it bears fruit, it increases. Not just within us, but through the whole world. This is why we pause and celebrate. It's why you get our, our email to see us often praying for different people that are supporting gospel work around the world. Because the gospel is bearing fruit. It's increasing. God is not done with his work of the gospel. It's also a full message. Hear what it's said to Epaphras. Just In verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has made known to us your love and spirit. It's very likely that these false teachers were trying to say to these Colossians, hey, you're not getting the full picture from the Epaphras. What you really need to hear is this full picture. Now come listen to me. What Paul is saying that Epaphras has been faithful he has been faithful. He is a beloved servant. That he has indeed taught the word of God in the gospel. This is not a tactical message. This is not the insurance company calling up to say, hey, we need to settle this claim. This is not that car company calling to say, hey, we need to increase. 
is your warranty. What we have heard in the gospel is the fullness of God. So Paul takes a moment to stop and tell these people that they have assurance, that they have clarity, that by the gospel they are indeed in Christ. And then he goes on to pray for them. Verses 9 to 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. So again, remind yourself of the context that these false teachers have been centralizing this message of power. You want to experience power? You need to follow us. This message of fullness that you have not received the full truth. And, and Paul's concern, friends, is truly this, is that all growth that we can see in our lives will be characterized by the very beginning of Christ. Our growth comes from Christ. He prays for knowledge and he prays for power. He attacks these two messages head on in his prayer. First, his prayer for knowledge. So, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He prays that they may know the will of God. They would know the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How many of you ever come across a passage in the Bible and you're like, I don't know what that means? Anybody? I'm still trying to figure out the Bible of Job 30. I'm still trying to figure out. Dinosaur, was it not? Okay. Things going on there. There are many people who debate Genesis 1. When he says day, does he mean literal day? Does he mean period of age? Lots of good questions that come from these things. But we pray that God would give us knowledge. Knowledge of his will. It's interesting that Paul prays for knowledge. Because often what we want to say in our walk with the Lord is that we can pick out those really good Christians because of their experience. Look at all the things they've been through. Look at the way they pray. Look at the way they sing. Look at the, the things that, that they do. The gospel divided many churches. 
are those that do the Lord and those that do not know the Lord. There's a division. The gospel is united people, teaching. The doctrine, the belief, the teaching of Scripture. While yes, it may divide, it also unites. The question becomes what is driving? is pushed by the scripture, is pushed by knowing God and his will? Or is it a teaching pushed by know this experience? Do these things. Friends, I'm convinced that Jesus, he wants us to act. I wholeheartedly believe that. I'm also really convinced that Jesus wants to make sure that we Look like his people. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Not just doers of the word, but to be in Christ. So many of us are focused on action. I gotta do this, I gotta get out of these things so that I can go here. Would you rest in the person of Christ? Is that he prays for knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. When David was praying for Solomon, the Lord said, I will grant to you anything that you ask for your son. And David's prayer was God granting wisdom. Granting wisdom of you. God honored that prayer. Solomon was a very wise man. In understanding. Verse 10 So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. God doesn't just want us to sit around and be really good theologians and scholars. That's a helpful thing. He wants us to also act upon His Word. It's the difference between coming in and hearing from somebody. I love people. Here's all the things I love. And then hearing from someone. I love people. I know the gospel. I'm going to go. I'm meet them as a need. It's a great thing to say. Talk is cheap. God is looking for practical evidence of our knowledge of Him. Let's look back again to verse 4. Of the love that you had and of the saints. God is looking for practical evidence of our knowledge of Him. Do we love others? Specifically, do we love our fellow church members? Do we love the people who come in our church? How do we love them? See, the special knowledge that these false teachers proclaim actually led others to deceit, whereas the knowledge of God leads us to loving others well. Pray for knowledge. Pray for knowledge in such a way that we would love people. Paul also prayed for power. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious life for endurance and patience. 
Hear, hear that again. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Oh man, let me tell you, I am not patient or joyous when those insurance companies call. In fact, most of the time I go, no, 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 no. No, move on. Or the 9,000 emails you get a day of advertisements, those are fucking nuts. I know you can hit the unsubscribe button, but that takes more work than actually just deleting the email. But here what he says, be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Not all power according to your glorious might or my glorious might or these teachers' glorious might, but according to his glorious might. What is the glory might of Jesus? It's his resurrection. You want to see the glory of God look to a resurrection? That God overcame the grave. Death had no hold on him. The grave could not contain him. Jesus rose in victory. Are we looking for glory for ourselves? Are we looking for glory for God? We're given the strength and power for endurance. There will be a time that will come where we will have to endure for the sake of the gospel. For patience. How many of you have prayed for patience before? Still working on that one. <laughs> I think uh, Ken and I had talked once and we said, maybe we should stop praying for patience. That doesn't really work too well for us. <laughs> Pray for patience. But hear these things. Endure and be patient with joy. Coming into church, how's we don't good? All right, what's going on this week? Oh, Satan's attacking. It's been a tough one. I really had a horrible week. Oh, this guy. How are you doing this week, brother? How are you doing, sister? I'm a wicked sinner. I need to ask you. Hey, let's sing that song one more time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's forget that. Power of his glorious mind for endurance and patience and faith and joy. Guys, I'm not going to say that God wants us to be rainbows and butterflies and unicorns all the time. But I am going to say that God wants us to face our, our patient battles, our enduring battles. He wants us to remember the joy we have in Christ. It will be hard. Sing the song. And I love that song. 
The joy of the Lord is our strength. The bridge. Thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Thanksgiving to God. He has been giving us strength and power for endurance and patience with joy. And we are thankful because he has qualified us. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. We now cry as God's people, Abba, Father, you are our true God. You have given us life. We have now been able to share in your glory, share the hope that is laid out in heaven for us. He's qualified us. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. This isn't just the good news of somebody wiping out your debt. It's somebody wiping out your debt and giving you the best and sending you up on the hill. You've gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved, the beloved son. He has qualified us. He has delivered us. He has redeemed us, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is life in the gospel. We've been delivered, we've been qualified, we have been redeemed. Friends, put your faith in Christ this morning. You rest. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the truth that we stand in Christ now. Thank you for the work that he has done on the cross. Thank you that he took our place, that he died for our sin, that he was buried, and that he rose from the grave, and he has been victorious. And now, God, we pray for knowledge. We pray that you would help us to know your will. God, that you would give us all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, we pray for your power and strength so that we may endure, that we may be patient with joy, God. We praise you for our salvation that we have been transferred from the darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. That we have been delivered. That we have been redeemed. We're so good to us, God. Help us remember this. In Jesus' name. I invite you now to respond to the word by singing with us.